The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. This is Rainmaker FM, the digital marketing podcast network. It's built on the Rainmaker platform, which empowers you to build your own digital marketing and sales platform. Start your free 14-day trial at rainmakerplatform.com. These are the Writer Files, a tour of the habits, habitats, and brains of working writers. From online content creators to fictionists, journalists, entrepreneurs, and beyond. I'm your host, Kelton Reed, writer, podcaster, and mediaphile. And each week, we'll find out how great writers keep the ink flowing, the cursor moving, and avoid writer's block. New media pioneer and entrepreneur, Darren Rouse, creator of both Digital Photography School and Pro Blogger, joined me to chat about the opportunities that 13 years of blogging have provided. His new podcast, and the importance of having the right mindset as a writer. The sage blogging veteran and educator has blazed an inspiring path for enterprising online publishers. His step-by-step series, 31 Days to Build a Better Blog, went from zero to viable business in no time, and now it's a podcast every content creator can listen to for free. In this file, Darren Rouse and I discuss why you should write like you talk, how a book deal was born from a blog series. How writing offline can boost your word count. The three types of writer's block all bloggers eventually face. And why you need a balance between dreaming and doing. If you enjoy the Writer Files podcast, please do us a favor and leave a rating or a review in iTunes to help other writers find us. Thanks for listening. Darren. Thank you so much for joining me on The Writer Files. I really appreciate you stopping by. You're welcome. And for listeners who may not be familiar with your incredibly inspiring story, who are you and what is your area of expertise as a writer? Yeah, so I'm Darren. I live in Melbourne, Australia. So I'm a dad. Probably that's the the number one thing in my life at the moment. So uh, that's that kind of is one of my major defining parts of me, I guess. But in terms of the writing side of things, 13 years ago, I wasn't a writer at all. I would have said I was a communicator. I, I did some public speaking, but had never really written before. And I stumbled upon blogging after a friend shot me a link to a, to a blog and just fell in love with the medium. So that was November 2002. And within 10 minutes, I knew I needed to have a blog, even though I had no idea what one really was. And so I 
kind of muddled my way through setting one up and and so that became my journey of writing and I discovered that my love of communication extended into that sort of written field but came to it with really no experience and no real expertise in anything I would say but that first blog was a personal blog I wrote about anything and everything and just gradually over time I guess found my voice I don't really know what my voice is but I found it and began to realize that people were responding to me writing like I talked in a very conversational tone. And I also discovered that I love to teach people and help people to learn and to, I guess, find their potential in different areas. And so that personal blog began to transition into me writing tutorials on anything and everything and on a whole heap of different niches. And gradually over time, I I grew an audience for one reason or another, people seemed to connect with what I was doing and began to break out those topics onto separate blogs. So I've been blogging for about 13 years, but it transitioned into uh, a number of blogs, two of which remain today. One's ProBlogger, which is a blog about blogging, which is sad, but it turns out a lot of people uh, wanted to learn about that. And then the other one's on photography, so digital photography school, and that's uh, really started out as me teaching my friends how to take better photos with these great cameras that they had that they never switched out of automatic mode. And so I just began writing really simple tips and tutorials on how to hold cameras and what aperture is and what shutter speed is. So I've, I've really focused my writing on how-to content and in those two fields, although I've transitioned those two blogs into me really being more of a publisher than a writer because I feature a lot of writers now on those blogs too. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. And as well known as those sites are, and I'll point obviously to both in the show notes, I've heard you speak at authority intensive with copy blogger and just your kind of your starting as a mindset. It's truly inspiring. I think for writers, the writers just not only seek out those sites. I mean, pro blogger obviously is, I mean, it's been a pioneering voice. Clearly it speaks for itself, but you know, also I think your speaking should be sought out as well. And I've found some of your replays, which I will also post in the show notes from some of your speaking engagements. And I think for writers, just also a true inspiration. So I'll skip on as I <laughs> am hoarding the mic here. Where can where else can we find your writing uh, in addition to pro blogger and digital photography? Yeah, so they're kind of my home bases. But out of those two blogging experiences, I guess other opportunities have come to write. And I never would have expected some of the things that came along. The biggest one and the one of the earliest ones was an opportunity to write a book. I got a, an email one day from a guy who claimed to be at Wiley in the US and hmm. he said, you know, we'd love to publish a book with you. And I really thought it was a joke because I never had book writing on my radar at all. But that was true and it was real. And so hmm. it felt a little bit big and hard for me to, to write a book. So I coerced Chris Garrett, who's now at Copy Blogger as well, to write it with me. And so we co-authored the ProBlogger book. And so that's probably where you'd find the biggest chunk of my writing in one place, uh, although Chris wrote half of it as well. I didn't really enjoy writing it, but it was a great experience and it's now had three editions. So it seems to have connected well. And then the other places that I've written would be in eBooks. And this is the other opportunity that came out of both sites was to 
I guess, initially update and, and collate a lot of the content that I'd created into one volume and a book, an ebook on ProBlogger called 31 Days to Build a Better Blog, and mm-hmm. which really emerged out of a series of blog posts. And then on Digital Photography School, I also wrote a, a portrait ebook, which is no longer on the market. I got actual photographers to write our new portrait books, but that was, I guess, my first foray into ebooks on that site. And so uh, to this day, we've published about 30 ebooks as well, but most of them have been written by other authors who have expertise in particular topics. That's cool. And I know that the story behind 31 Days to Build a Better Blog is a pretty amazing one, which will kind of dovetail into the next question, which is what are you presently working on? Yeah, so it did emerge from a, a series of posts that I wrote in 2007, and, and it really led to a lot of life for the blog. And I repeated it in 2009, I think it was. And and my readers started to you know basically say, we want you to put it into a book for us because we love this series of posts, but we want to keep going over it again and again. I designed it as a very practical, here's something to learn, but here's something you can do today. And, and it was really about developing habits of blogging and, and good blogging. And so I put it into that ebook and I was really dubious about whether anyone would buy it because it was all on the blog for free. I, I updated it a little and added a little content, but it sold thousands of copies every day for the first week that I'd launched it. And it really opened my eyes to this new way of communicating through ebooks. That was back in 2010, I think. And so that ebook, we've updated it in 2012. And, and more recently, I've turned it into a podcast series. So that's probably the main thing that I'm working on this month. But yeah, there's a whole heap of other things that are always on the go for us. We run an event here in Australia as well. So that's uh, six weeks away now for 700 bloggers this year. So that's kind of on my mind as well. And I've always got these little preliminary stages of thinking for for books and other projects as well. So I'm not writing a whole heap this month, but there's dreams and thoughts there to write again on a larger scale. Very cool. And the podcast itself is fantastic, I will say. Congrats on the early success of that. And I have checked out the first week or so of it, and it's inspiring. So writers should also seek that out. There's some good writing challenges in there for people. So Absolutely. Yeah. And anyone who wants to um, take their blogging game to the next level. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow. Mercy is the bow. A DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction, And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. 
I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. So let's talk a little bit about your productivity as a truly prolific blogger and online publisher. How much time per day would you say you are reading or doing research? Yeah. So I would say at the start of this year, that was an area that had been suffering for me. I'd become so busy that I wasn't really filling my cup and staying in touch with the industries that I was kind of working in because I was producing so much and it started to impact my output and also just my health as well. I was I was just so busy and so I made a concerted effort to change the daily structure that I had and that included putting a walk right into the middle of my day for a at least half an hour, sometimes as much as an hour. And so that's a, an area where I've filled up with listening to podcasts and audio books. And so that's really new for me. I hadn't listened to a book ever before, those walks and, and podcasts. I'd only ever listened to a few. And so that's probably where I'm getting most of my research and input at the moment. I do read quite a bit during the day of blogs, but not so much in in terms of books. But if I'm doing a new project or if I'm preparing for a presentation or a new ebook, I that's when I do a lot of my research. I tend to batch my research. So I don't tend to be someone who's just researching for the sake of keeping up with things. I, I tend to be someone who I needed a purpose for that research. I need a, a problem that I'm trying to solve and that's where I, I go into research mode and I quite enjoy it, but not just for the sake of doing it. There needs to be a, a reason. Hmm. So before you actually sit down to write, do you have any pregame rituals or practices that kind of help you get into the flow? Coffee is a big part <laughs> of it, but that's just to do anything really. I don't have a whole heap. I would say I probably like to have a clean desk and so that's that's one thing that I tend to – it's not clean at the moment, so I obviously don't have a big project. But a clean desk, a clean whiteboard, and a new notebook probably are the three things that I like to kind of have. And I do tend to procrastinate until those things are done. I have also been known to faff around a little bit and, and look at what tools and apps are out there and chop and change those a bit before I start writing. But, yeah, I don't really have any ritual as such. I think I know the answer to this next question, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Do you write every day? I would say I probably don't write every day anymore. And that's something I have some regrets around, but I tend to be someone who writes most days something, whether it be short blog posts or articles, but I do tend to batch my writing. So Monday mornings are a time where I I write quite a bit and try and write multiple blog posts for the week. If I'm writing a larger, like a, a book or an ebook, 
I tend to sort of put aside a week to write it and mm. clear everything else out. And that's what I did with the podcast. I, I set aside a week to record 31 episodes. So wow. I tend to – I have a fairly short attention span. And so I find if I'm writing for a year, I, I lose interest too quick. So I need to really chunk out a lot of stuff quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I do write something every day in emails, but yeah, it's not on those projects. I tend to chunk it a bit more. I see. So you're commit, do you commit to a certain amount of time then excluding that kind of social media stuff, which I know you're, you know, in kind of constant contact with that stuff, but. Yeah, I tend to write offline where I can. And so I do go to a cafe quite a bit to write if I, I need to do that and they don't have Wi-Fi. I could get on on my phone, but I tend to avoid doing that unless I have to. And I find that if I'm once I get in the zone of writing, I can go anywhere from an hour to four hours without any problem and, and almost get lost in it. Mm. And I love that space. I love being in that zone and, and just firing. It does get a little awkward <laughs> when you're not drinking coffee in the cafe, but... <laughs> Right. Typically, during the day, I work in 50 to 60-minute bursts, but I go with the flow if it's if it's firing. Nice. Are you a morning person or do you like to write at night? Creativity-wise, I'm very much a writing uh, in the morning person. However, I have noticed around 4.30 in the afternoon, about half an hour before I'm supposed to get back with the family and stop working, that's often a time that I just, just get inspiration bombs. Um, and so that's... I don't know whether it's because there's that looming deadline and I do work well with deadlines, but that's often another time that I just need to put aside a little time to just vomit out anything that's Hmm. in my head that I need to get out. Yeah. Do you like to listen to music at all while you're writing or are you a silence? Do you prefer the silence? I enjoy music, but not while I'm writing. I love white noise. And so the cafe is a place that it just flows for me a bit more and they do have music there, but it's, I don't notice it at yeah. all. Yeah. It's, it's just in the background. It just sits there. There's something about that coffee shop noise that, that seems to uh, work very well for writers. Yeah. I think it's also being around people and I'm not looking at the people, but just being aware that there are other people for me makes me aware that there are people going to read what I'm writing as well and hmm. something about that social environment without actually talking to anyone as an introvert I, I kind of enjoy that connection without being yeah. intensely connected and I think that infects my writing in some ways as well and a lot of people reflect back that they feel like I'm talking to them and, and sometimes I do look at the people around me and, and pretend that they're the person I'm writing to or there's something about that I haven't quite defined yet, but it's hmm. it's really important for my writing, I think. Do you believe in writer's block, Darren? I would say that I've suffered from something maybe like writer's block, but I, as I've thought about it over the years, I'd, I'd say there's three types for me. I'd say I get ideas block, which is where I can't work out what to write about, and I think many bloggers who've been blogging for a year or two feel – one, I've written it all before. I've got nothing left to say. What could I write fresh today? Or everyone else has already written about it. I haven't got anything unique to say. And so that blockage of finding a, a unique angle and, and a freshness to your topic, I think, is one thing that I've suffered. The second type for me is writing block. And that's where the words just aren't flowing. You've got the idea, you know the topic you want to write about, but you just can't make it come out in a sensible way. 
And then for me, the third one is completion block. And that's hmm. where the first draft's done, but I'm just so distracted or on the next thing that I'm really into, or I'm too tired, or I've lost the passion or interest for what I'm writing about to complete it. And so that's probably the area I've struggled with the most over the years is that lack of revision and editing. And so that's why I hired an editor basically <laughs> to oversee that and crack the whip for me in that. But I, I think for me, yeah, writer's block, I don't know what that is, but for me there's those three things. And for me the key is to work out what, which one of those three things I'm suffering right now and then to make appointments with myself to put extra time and energy and to get help in those areas. So for me, ideas block, I had probably two years into my blogging, so I just built into my week time to brainstorm ahead of time when I wasn't supposed to be writing, and and so I have now got a bank of ideas sitting there, and I also involve my team in that sort of brainstorming time. So I haven't had ideas block for quite some time because I've kind of built that into my week. And then the writing block, again, I think for me, regularity of writing helps with that as well. And so making appointments on Monday mornings when I do a lot of my blog post writing, that sort of helped to unlock that. And then um, the completion block, I have times in my week, usually in the afternoons where I set aside time to edit and revise because I don't need to be quite so creative there, but I need to be a little bit more analytical. So, yeah. Wow. Let's talk about your workflow a little bit. What hardware or typewriter model are you presently using? <laughs> There's not been a typewriter in my life for many years, but I just use a, a MacBook Pro when I'm out and about and, a, and an iMac on my desktop. And I just love the fact that they talk to each other now with you know iCloud and Dropbox and all these wonderful tools that connect them. Yeah, I'm a huge fan myself. Do you have some favorite software that you use for writing? I tried to keep things pretty simple. I've tried a lot of the sort of writing tools. I can't even remember the names of most of them. But these days, I tend to write a lot of my stuff in Evernote. If it's a larger project, I set up a notebook for that and then break it down into sections or chapters in different notes and then have other notes for outlines and to-do lists and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I find it's pretty simple to use. And a lot of the other tools were, I got so... It got too complicated for me. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, Evernote seems to have worked quite well. And I like that I can share it with my team as well to be involved in that process. For blogging, I use a little tool called Mars Edit as well, which mm. just kind of like a, a document creator that you can put your images into and format everything in the app and then you can upload it to your blog and not have to edit it in the blog. Interesting. I'll have to get that link from you. Do you have any organizational hacks? Evernote you know, has kind of changed things for me on that front. I tend to whiteboard in the early stages of a project. I like to be able to visualize it. I occasionally will mind map using a little tool called MindNode. I have also been known to use post-it notes spread out all over my floor. So whatever <laughs> it takes to kind of visualize how things fit together. I think in terms of the organization of my writing, I had some training like 20 years ago in public speaking and it was all based around breaking your talk down into two-minute modules and to really creating modules that chop and change and take people through different phases of what you want to present. And I think that's kind of flowed into my writing. I tend to write in very small, short, sharp sections and a module might be 
a metaphor or a story or a teaching point and then sort of chopping and changing those. So I tend to visualize my writing in that that sort of style. Yeah, so they're probably the the tools that I use the most. And I would say I, I also use Wonderlist as an organizational tool as well. So I'm very big on lists and setting myself to-do lists to tick off during the day. So procrastination, the beast of procrastination, do you find yourself leaning into that or or do you have some other uh, kind of best practices? I find I do procrastinate, but it's not it's not just a lazy kind of, you know, get it done. It's it's more of a prioritization and listening to my energy levels as well. Um, I, it, I tend to work best when I'm excited about something so that I tend to listen to that more than I used to and, and go to the places where I've got energy. But I also work very well to deadlines. And so it stresses me out when something's looming, but I know that that's when I'll do my best work. So that's important. The other thing I'd say with procrastination for me and and getting things done is that accountability is a big thing. I respond really well when other people have an expectation of me. Mm. It's not just an internal expectation of myself. I don't really respond well to that at all. I respond if other people are waiting for something. And so if I really need to get something done, I publicly announce when it will be ready. And I've done that quite a few times. I've tweeted and with the podcast that I just launched, I said I publicly announced it was coming on the 1st of July before I had recorded an episode. And that, yeah, that motivates me a lot <laughs> because mm-hmm. I don't like to yeah, be seen to be missing a deadline. That's right. How do you unplug at the end of a, a long day there? I have to stop working at 5 p.m. Um, that's just a family rule. And so that helps as well. And I find the shenanigans of family life pretty much force me out of work mode at that time. I do work once the kids go back to bed and our kids are fairly young, so I can get back to work at sort of 7.30. But I tend not to do creative stuff at that time because I find if I allow myself to try and get creative at night, I don't sleep. Mm. But if I do more admin logistical stuff in the evenings, I do social media scheduling and all that kind of stuff. I find that almost puts me to sleep. So, yeah, I also always try and give myself at least half an hour between the last work I do in bed just to decompress a little, and that usually involves TV. Just a quick pause to mention that The Writer Files is brought to you by the Rainmaker platform, the complete website solution for content marketers and online entrepreneurs. Find out more and take a free 14-day test drive at rainmaker.fm slash platform. Well, let's talk about creativity some. I know you just mentioned creativity, inspiration, kind of finding your passion and and your energy. How do you define creativity? I think creativity for me is the process of turning a new imaginative idea into reality. And so for me, it's got two parts. It's, It's about thinking and doing. And the problem I see many people falling into the trap of is that they focus on one or the other. And and I think we all probably have a tendency to to focus on one or the other, but we need to work on the other one. So for me, creative thinking and idea generation is what I love to do. I could sit there all day brainstorming, coming up with ideas, dreaming of what could be, but for a while there, it didn't really translate into doing a whole heap. And so 
that's the area I have to work on. And for me, it's about completion. Again, <laughs> that theme that came up earlier, I mm. can think of ideas all day. I can start them but not complete them. And so that's that's the area that I need to work on. For other people, I think they're doers and they don't put as much thoughtful or they don't give enough time to the the thinking and the dreaming and the the imagining of what could be and so they end up doing and creating things that perhaps aren't as imaginative as they could be. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, for me it's a creativity is about finding the sweet spot between creative thinking and creative and, and actually implementation and doing. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, I mean, that you brought up before that you have a, a team that kind of helps you get to that completion phase, but not everybody has both spheres, yeah. do they? No, and for me, until three years ago, I didn't really have a team at all. One or two people I occasionally outsource stuff to, but and that that was a big tension. Now I guess the tensions I've got to manage people, and that's not a skill that I really have, and I need to grow as well. But yeah, it's for me, it really came down to just forcing myself to be organized and making appointments with myself to do those things I needed to do, which didn't come naturally for me as a creative, airy fairy kind of guy. Well, we may have covered this already, but when do you feel most creative? I think there's a number of things. Conversations with people often stimulate a creative moment for me, uh, whether that be me you know, having a conversation with a friend, but also online. I find any sort of social media discussion kind of stimulates ideas and creativity. Often when I do a webinar or even a podcast like this, I find, you know, even preparing for this podcast, I had ideas and and that creative thinking, I found myself sort of going off on tangents in my thinking. And and so I think conversation is a big part of it for me, um, getting input from podcasts and, and blogs and, and that type of thing. And I also find, you know, it's when I'm not thinking about my work that I'm getting the creative ideas as well. And so, you know, the shower, I know a lot of people say (laughs) they get their best ideas in the shower. That's me. But what I found is I was having my showers sandwiched by kid time, like my kids would be there and then I'd have a shower and I'd get an idea and then the kids would be there. So I've started having showers later in the day (laughs) (laughs) just so that I can then go and take those ideas that I have and, and implement them straight away. So... And I think the other part for me is just being healthier. I think this year I've really worked on my health a lot and I've found myself being much more productive but also much more creative. And so I think those all those factors kind of play into when I'm most creative. Hmm. Would you say that's your creative muse at the moment? Yeah, I think so. I, I tend to get into little, little obsessions with things. Hmm. And so at times it's photography, at times it's health and, you know, walking or those types of things, I think I need to keep mixing up that thing that I'm into. And and when I do have a thing that I'm obsessed by, that often sparks and brings, I guess it just makes me feel alive. And when I feel alive, I'm more creative. It's not that I do those things to yeah. make creativity come. It just is a byproduct. I like how, well, just going back to the procrastination piece, Austin Cleon had said, where he talks about productive procrastination and having multiple projects going all at once so that when you're procrastinating on one project, you're really being productive on another project. It kind of melds in with that thinking. What would you say you've seen so much writing, so much online writing and, and, uh, online publishing, what in your mind makes a truly great writer? I mean, I guess it depends on the medium and and the style, but for me, I really respond to writers who've taken me on a journey 
and I feel like they have thoughtfully taken me from one place to another. And so in my writing, what I am always trying to think about as I sit down to write is what change am I trying to bring about in my reader, whether that be a change in the way they feel, they think, whether it be giving them a new skill, giving them a sense of not feeling like they're the only one or a sense of belonging or some new insight. So I don't want my readers to come away from the things that I write in the same state that they were when they started reading it because that's just wasting their time and mine. But if they if they go from point A to point B, that to me is success for my writing. And so I guess I'd translate that into most formats of writing, whether it be fiction or nonfiction. If I'm changed as a result of reading a great book, then that's great. That's success. And the same goes to, you know, how-to content that I focus on or, or other mediums. You, you want to be changing people, take them on a journey. Yeah. Do you have some favorite authors right now? To be honest, at the moment, I've not been doing as much reading as I should because I've been focusing more on podcasts. But I guess these audio books that I started to listen to, it's been an interesting journey. I'm still not sure whether I enjoy the audio format or not, but I've been reading or listening to Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning and I'm enjoying that. I'm still towards the beginning, so I'm not ready to talk about it yet. But (laughs) just another book that I've been listening to is Tom Rath's Fully Charged, which is all about, you know, having a full charge for your life Hmm. and that's been interesting and this year I've also gone back I've tried to make this year a year where I go back to books that I've read before that have had some impact upon me so I've gone back to Malcolm Gladwell's Tipping Point which was quite a it started the journey for me I guess in some of my thinking and then Mm -hmm. also a book by an Aussie author Gregory David Roberts called Shantram which is a I guess it's a sort of a fictional biography of his journeys, um, an escapee from a prison and went to India and had all these adventures and no one really knows how much of the story is true and how much of it's not, but it's a <laughs> whopping massive book. It takes, it's it's huge, but it, I just can't wait for him to bring out a sequel, although it's been 20 years now, so maybe it's not coming. <laughs> you pull some really, really great quotes for your speaking engagements. Do you have a, a best loved quote at the moment? Yeah, probably the one from the last year for me that I just keep coming back to and, and do use quite a bit in my speaking is John Shah's one, the future is not some place we're going, but one we're creating. The paths are not to be found, but made. And the activity of making them changes both the maker and the destination. And I've been using that quite a bit to... I guess encourage people to not just let their future happen to them but to you know chase their dreams and take steps towards making their their dreams and their futures a reality the futures that they want rather than just falling into a future that maybe isn't what they want. All right, let's do a couple of fun ones. You may have already answered this. Do you have a favorite literary character? I'm not sure I would call my favorite literary characters great works of literature, but the ones that came to mind were all children's characters. I don't know if you ever came across the series called Biggles. It was a a series of books that I read when I was probably eight or nine, (laughs) and he was a pilot in you know, flying Sopworth camels in World War One and World War Two, and and for me that this little character, he 
it was must have been heaps of these books, but he was always <laughs> on an adventure. And for me, that was probably my first experience of reading mm. that just just fired my imagination. And Tintin, I don't know if you ever came across Tintin. Oh yeah, they're sort of sort of graphic novels, I guess, in some ways. Those comics are. And my son has just started reading Tintin, and he is obsessed with it. <laughs> the movie, I think Spielberg made the movie. So they're probably two characters that come to mind because they bring out memories in me, but I can now also see the same thing happening in my children as they begin to read those books. If you could choose one author from any era for an all-expense paid dinner to your favorite (laughs) restaurant, who would you choose? Gosh, this is the third time this week I've been asked to uh, have dinner with someone that I wanted to meet. And I always struggle with this question, but probably the one that comes to mind is one that I suspect you've not heard of, but another Aussie called Arne Doe, who wrote a great book called The Happiest Refugee. And mm-hmm. he's a comedian, an Aussie comedian, one of the best known Australian comedians. He comes from Vietnam originally and came to Australia as a refugee. But So I think he'd be pretty funny to have dinner with, but he also has just written this powerful story of overcoming challenges and doing some really amazing things. And he's also written a children's book on the same topic and my kids have really been impacted by that book. And so I'd love to just sit with him and spend some time with him and and hear his story from his mouth and I guess more more so feedback the impact that he's had on on my kids, you know, learning about some really important lessons of life. Nice. Where would you take him? He's got a Vietnamese background, so I do enjoy that food. So I'd let him choose a Vietnamese restaurant. Let me ask you, who or what has been your greatest teacher? So my my dad probably. Dad was a pastor of a church, and so he spoke every week. And I saw him get up in front of people and communicate. And he he really didn't have any agenda in self promotion or anything other than really trying to serve people and make their lives better. And so I think that's probably come across. I've picked that up, I guess, in a lot of what I do. I'm perhaps not quite as humble as him hmm. <laughs> at times. And it's hard to be in the, the social media environment where it's, you know, me, me, me and promote yourself, promote yourself. I certainly didn't see any of that in my, my father at all. And so that kind of is a nice reminder to be a bit more grounded perhaps. And, and I try to live that, but he's just heart for trying to help people and make people better through his communication is something that I try and live out as well in both my speaking, but also writing. Nice. I skipped uh, a question, which I'll circle back to you. Do you have a writer's fetish at all? I don't know that I really do. Most of my fetishes are probably more camera related than Mm. writing one. I like the look of all those typewriters that people have, but for me, it's, I don't have room on my shelves because I've got cameras everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. So can you offer any advice to fellow scribes on how to keep the ink flowing and the cursor moving? Yeah, I think for me, it's about practice. You improve so much when you do. Rhythm of writing regularly, as much as I'm not in a daily rhythm at the moment, I think having certain times in the the week where I write and edit and come up with ideas certainly is important for my writing and, and output write something meaningful to you that you know is has the potential to change someone's life. I think for me that's as much about being an effective communicator but also it comes into the writing process as well. If I know that what I'm writing has the potential to 
really help someone, then I'm bringing much more energy and creativity to that process. And then fill your cup. You've, you've just got to keep getting input if you want to produce. And so don't let yourself get dry. Find the inspiration that you need in all areas of your life. I, I think the better your life is going, the better your output Unless you want to be a poet or write angsty stuff, maybe you need a bad life to do that. I don't know. <laughs> Where can fellow writers connect with you out there? I think probably the best place is, is ProBlogger on Twitter, at ProBlogger, and then ProBlogger.com has all the different aspects of the ProBlogger brand. Um, and so there's it's kind of a portal into the rest of the podcast and the blog and, and the ebooks and the different aspects of what I do. Yeah. And I do encourage writers to find the podcast and it is available on iTunes and other reputable podcast publishing platforms. That's right. Very good. Darren, thank you so much. You're a huge inspiration to me and to lots of other writers, both online and off. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me and do your writer file. Thanks. Nice to chat with you. Thanks for tuning in to the writer files. Now go turn some of those crazy dreams into something that we can read. For more episodes of The Writer Files and all of the show notes, or to leave us a comment or a question, drop by writerfiles.fm. And you can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. See you out there.